Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you back to the City Builders online service here this Sunday, the 15th of November, 2020. It's great to have you with us. I wanted to start this morning's message by saying uh, that there uh, is a principle which applies from the beginning to the, of the scripture to the end, and it is this. Whatever is initiated and whatever is born of God will be challenged and at some stages come under attack. This principle can be seen in every book of the Bible and it can be certainly evidenced throughout history. To see the restoration and rebuilding of individual families, lives, uh, cities and nations, we must, as a church and as a church in the nation, rediscover truth. Part of God's master plan for national transformation is for his people, his church, those ones that he is going to use in the years ahead to re rediscover truth. This morning, we're moving on and we're talking about uh, God's master plan for the transformation of nations, but this is the emphasis, emphasis, rediscovering truth. Wherever you are this morning, it would be great whether you're in your lounge rooms or whether in your kitchens or you're out on the patio, wherever you are, it would be great if you were able to just join with me in prayer. And I want to start by reading the word. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe even if I told you. What an incredible promise from the, from the Word of God. I really believe it spoke about the time of Habakkuk, but I also believe it talked about the time and the times of Jesus, but it also speaks to us this morning. God is doing something in the nations. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Lord God, we thank you that you're at work and that you are going to work a work in our days. Father, even that we would not believe, even if you were to tell us. Lord God, I pray this morning that you would help us to pick up and to understand what you are doing and what you are about ready to do. God, restore truth to our nation and to the nations of the earth. Let the truth of God's word be once again held up as the standard of truth in this land, in the education system and in the parliament, in the corridors of power, in the business world. Let the standard of God's word be once again held up. First, Lord God, we ask that you would start with us. Lord, that truth would be built onto the inside. Lord God, start with your people. Lord, I pray that you would bring us back where we've strayed, bring us back into alignment with your heart. Father, I pray for open hearts this morning. And once again, I thank you for what you are doing in the season. Lord God, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. So, last year, around about Remembrance Day, uh, we received a very special emblem uh, it was not long after we uh, opened the stables here after a tremendous effort of upgrading these buildings. Uh, the Durham family, Alfred Durham's family, uh, gave us a very uh, amazing token. Let me tell you the story. Alfred Durham was one of the young men that was on the first landing at Gallipoli. 
And uh, for each survivor, they were given a, uh, a knitted British flag. And that British flag has been lent to us by the family and is, is uh, displayed here in the stables. This flag represents, it, it celebrated, it represents and celebrates the incredible courage of a young generation who fought for freedom. Do you like freedom? You know, we have lived under freedom and we've learned to love it, but it does not come by accident. It comes by uh, courage and it comes by sacrifice. And you know, when we look at the Anzac legend, this is really describes wonderfully the identity of, our, of this great nation. So at the time, our nation was only 14 years of age, and that was uh, just 14 years post-Federation. This year, we were once again visited by a member of Alfred Durham's uh, family, his, his uh, wonderful uh, granddaughter, Jenny Hewitt, and she has lent us to put on display in the building with the flag uh, this belt, which was part of Alfred Durham's uniform. And uh, I asked her why she, she had bought the, uh, the belt, and it's a little bit of an interesting story, and God seemed to speak to me through it, because she said for quite some time she'd been looking for this belt, and then uh, just in the last couple of weeks she had discovered it in her house. And it really spoke to me about how, you know, out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, 4, it says this, you know, right back there, uh, you know, 110 years ago, 105 years ago, during World War I, we were fighting for physical freedom. But now we are going through something greatly different in our nation, which is a spiritual war. And uh, it's a cultural war. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is talking about the unseen realm. And we talked about that last week, how there is a war going on. It is a cultural war. So, so this affects us. But then it goes on into verse 14 and it says, or, or sorry, verse 13, it says, Therefore take up the whole armour of God that we may be able to stand in the day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So this morning this gift gives us context to the message. I'm talking about rediscovering truth today. So let's just go on that journey together. Um, so this is a tremendously significant because this very act was part of a campaign, I'm talking about World War I, it was tremendously significant because this very act was part of a campaign to birth the purposes of God and to secure freedom for generations to come. I have personally lived in such an incredible time under blessing and under God in this nation. I don't know anything other than freedom. I was born in Australia, and I thank God for that, and 
We are most welcoming to people that have come from us, from other parts of the world, other cultures to become part of this great Southland. But for us all, we have experienced generations of freedom and it has been incredible. I remember growing up as a young boy in my town and walking around uh, after school and not having a worry about anything going wrong. It was freedom and it was clean and it was wonderful. But for generations now, there has been what I, and I'm sure many multitudes of witnesses, would call a gradual drift from a most important characteristic that this nation was built on, and that is the truth of God's Word. If you look at it, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil has infiltrated every institution in the land. Some would call it humanism. Some would call it Marxism. It certainly has been the strategic agenda of those who have set themselves to re-engineer society to suit their own needs. The thing you must know, there is nothing new under the sun. It just has a different name in this generation. And I wanted to say this, that any ism has no power to set an individual free into the glorious liberty that is made available to us by the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Rediscovering truth must become our priority. It must become a priority for the church. God must restore truth before the nations can be restored and rebuilt. Because the way that God operates, you know, I've been explaining that the Lord, the, He owns the heavens and the earth, and He wants to restore the earth. And we are, His people, are involved in the work of restoration, reconciliation, putting things back together again, making things better. That's our job. But, the, it, but it can only be built on truth. God must restore truth before the nations can be restored and rebuilt. Rediscovering truth must become a priority for the church because freedom is dependent on the revelation, the preservation and the advancement of truth in every generation. Rediscovering truth must become a priority for the church because the church is to be the pillar of truth in society. Surely if you want to go somewhere in this generation, it must be to the church. But I don't believe any ordinary church because you see there's been the same drift that has had it, ha happened in society. People have drifted away from the foundations. Even aspects and parts of the church itself have drifted away from the foundations. But now God is calling us back. He's calling his people back so that we can rediscover the truth. Now let me give you a bit of an epic story. Because when you look through the background of the scriptures, you know, there's one word I would use to describe it, and that is epic. Right from the beginning in the scripture, you see the spiritual struggle between Adam, who is God's representative, in the garden, and the serpent. Last week, we talked about the serpent. We talked about Lucifer. We talked about the spirit of the age. And in the, in the uh, book of Revelation, we talked about the dragon of old. Uh, you know, uh, the, the um, 
uh, con contemporary leaders often talk about the moral zeitgeist, which is really the culture and the feel of the age. Whatever you call him, we have an adversary. And he is very real. He is the devil. He is the serpent. He is Lucifer, the spirit of the age. And the spirit of the age is taking the generation in a direction. But the church has been placed in a society to be the pillar of truth. And it is to be an anchor for truth. And it is to preach the truth. And I believe that the day is coming where because of what is happening in the world, like let me tell you now that deception is big business. Because every day, you know, well not every day, but quite often I have a phone call from somebody who is selling something which could well be snake oil. And, in, and you can look over at what's happening in the politics of the world and who is the president? Who is the president-elect? We really don't know because literally there is so much fake news. So now we are officially in an environment where truth has become secondary. And I'm talking this morning, when I'm talking about truth, I'm not talking about your truth. I'm not talking about my truth. I'm not talking about the truth of this generation. I'm talking about the truth that is established by God himself in the universe, in the, uh, in the whole of the cosmos, and is established as the foundation of the church. That is what I'm talking about. So, so uh, the way I like to describe this uh, to explain to people is the spirit of the age, which plays out in the culture and has an incredible influence on the thinking of any particular generation. Every generation seems to have a popular, medium type of mindset. And in my lifetime, I've seen it change a lot. And, uh, but the reality is, in this generation, that people know that there is something not quite right. You know, very few people are just, a f uh, well, you know, obviously there are a lot who are just uh, accepting things as they come. But I want you to know this. Many know that there's deception at work in the nations. The nature of our adversary, the devil, is deception. The scripture says about him, he is a liar from the beginning. His own pride, if we look at Isaiah chapter 14, around about verse 12, it talks about how Lucifer, who is a created being in the heaven, he was like the worship leader in charge of a, uh, a third of the angels. He was given the role of worship, but something began to rise up on the inside of him where he began to rise up and begin to challenge the truth of who God was. This is a remarkable story. As I said, it is epic and it is being compacted. You know, the whole event has been compacted in these verses in the scripture. So we need to be able to, you know, in our prayer and our thinking and our meditation, be able to unlock what really happened. Because, uh, because Lucifer began to rise up and began to covet the place that was given to God. And this describes very much the nation 
or, or very much the, the work of the spirit of the age in the nations, to exclude God, to overrule God, uh, to take God out of the equation. It's the same old devil. It's the serpent of all. It's the serpent from the garden. It's the spirit of the age. It is the dragon of all. So I'm saying this so I can give you some accurate understanding because there's a spiritual warfare going on. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So there's an amazing account where Jesus refers to this battle that went on, and it is in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. It tells the story about how Jesus sent out 70 people, delegated authority to them, and sent them out two by two into the world to carry the gospel out. And they returned with, the scripture says, they, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Do you know what? I want you to know this. Once you become a real son of God, a daughter of God, and you know that God is your father, and you know that God lives on the inside of you, you have been given a delegated authority from Jesus himself. And, uh, you know, we can talk more about that in this subject. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And, uh, you know, he said to them, don't rejoice that even the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. And he said this in verse 17, verse 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This is remarkable. Now in heaven, the structures of God's government were established. God had given the worship department... This is really paraphrased, but God had given the worship department to Lucifer. And uh, it was a place of not only worship, but was governmental authority that was given to, uh, to Lucifer. And the Bible at one stage calls, you know, talks about how God called him the, the bright and morning star. You know, he, he, uh, he was really you know, created to reflect the glory of God. He had no glory of his own. Uh, but, you know, when pride began to rise up in his heart, and isn't that amazing thing that pride is such a human, you know, a quality that we have, all of us, as soon as he began to rise up against the God who created him, he fell from glory. The scripture says Jesus was there and he said, I saw Satan fall like heaven, fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, Lucifer, the bright morning star, had now become Satan. But you see, what happened, there was a governmental structure set up in the heavens. And, the, and, and if I could describe it like this, that something shifted. In heaven, the structures of God's govern, government were established, created, appointed, and established by God. Now, this is what we need to know. They fell like lightning from heaven. To where? Well, let me tell you, the earth realm, the realm of the air is where the principalities and powers are. And the scripture talks about, you know, how Satan, the devil, is the prince of the power of the air. So, you know, uh, you might say, well, I can't see anything. Hey, let me tell you, there's radio waves going all through this room. 
million and one different directions, how many frequencies, we, we don't know. But this is a way we use to describe what's going on in the realm of the Spirit. And this morning, I just wanted to explain that there is a battle going on, and this is what we need to know. So what happens because the, the government, the principalities and powers have been corrupted and fallen to the earth, we are in a battle zone. They fell like lightning from heaven to the earth realm. You know, if we look around the world, we see chaos. We see chaos. Last week, I spoke about Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage? Another scripture says, is this the man that made the nations rage? Now, what's happening? Lucifer became Satan and he is being reduced until we will realize that he is a man, none other than a man who is making the nations rage. But you know, Jesus, God's son, created man in the garden to rule and reign and to have dominion over the earth, the Bible says, and to have dominion over the work of the enemy. So when Jesus came in, he came to restore Adam to re sorry, to restore man to his correct position. This is an epic story. God has a plan for his people. And I believe that God wants to raise up his people. And he wants to express a, a new, um, you know, governmental heart through his real sons and daughters. Because you see, if you look out there, people haven't really got the answers at all. I mean, we couldn't even handle a little virus. And the whole nations have been thrown into disarray. Now, I'm not downplaying what happened, but I'm trying to describe something to you. And, you know, last week I talked about how Jesus, the Son of God, became manifest so that he might destroy the work of the evil one. Do you know what? Viruses are the work of the evil one. And I believe that when the sons and daughters of God, those that are called by God, you know, to be true followers of Christ, when they begin to take their place on the earth, things will begin to settle. This is what I really believe to be the truth. So, uh, you know, this might give you a bit of an explanation why, you know, when you look at the whole governmental, political era, you know, there are certain things that are going on which we legitimately need to take care of and look after. But at the same stage, there are agendas in the background... There are power plays in the background. And even in America now, somebody is not telling the truth. And I really believe that before the next installation of the next president, whether it be Trump who is put back in or Biden is truly the president, we will find that there has been a lot of um, license that has been taken by certain individuals. We all need to be careful what we are listening to. I'm talking about rediscovering truth. We, as God's people, need to come back. And we need to rediscover it. We need to have a heart for it. We all need to be very careful of what we're receiving into our mind. Because now we have a generation that are being educated by their device. And they're being educated in institutions which have moved away from the truth of God's word that they were established on. Very important. This is the problem. When you begin to move away from the truth that God has established, 
you can come down like a thud. You know, I've been around the kingdom for a while. I've been following Christ for a while. And this has, uh, this I have found, that when people begin to negotiate on truth, they are putting themselves at risk. The moment we step away from the truth, we are set on a pathway to a thud. The principalities and powers, Lucifer became Satan, and the principalities and powers were evacuated from heaven and hit the earth realm like a thud. And that's how I picture it in my mind when I'm thinking about this. So the moment we step away from truth, we are set on the pathway to a thud, and sometimes with incredible consequences. In this post-truth era, the populace want benefits, pleasure without responsibility. And when we become like that, we have become susceptible to move away from the thing called truth. A couple of things we must always realise this morning. Long before there is a fall from grace, there is a negotiation and a compromise of truth. Amen? Secondly, when, when we begin to believe the wrong thing on any one issue, we and others can be at risk. Number three, whenever we drift from the truth, relationships, stature and standing can be lost. Our God-given destiny is all of the sudden put at risk. When one believes the truth and another begins to begin to believe the lie, a separation can begin to come. Lord God, keep us in the way of truth. Keep us in the way of truth, we pray this morning. When one believes the truth and another believes the lie, separation begins. The book of, I, um, the book of Amos talks about how can the two walk together unless they are agreed. So we need to make sure, number one, that our life is in continual agreement with God, and number two, we are within agreement with his body, the church. You know, one of the things that has been used by the enemy, by our adversary, in this generation is uh, the Marxism, the identity politics. You know, and it's caused division, and it's caused separation, and it's caused great damage. You know, the, the, we, we've got to find the truth again. As, as a people, as a church, we need to make sure that this is ours. The current move that we are part of is a restoration move. In uh, Malachi chapter 4, uh, the last words of Malachi, he said that, Mal that, that Elijah must come and restore all things. This is the prophetic dimension. This is God getting involved back in our life. This is us, uh, you know, moving away from the trends of the day and coming back to what is really the truth. Now, let's move on to some points. You like hearing points, don't you? Listen to this scripture. I read it in the prayer, but this is where we're going this morning. It says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe even if it were told to you. This speaks of now. You know, I want you to know 
that in this next season, wow, what a year, 2020, so many things have happened. You read it in the paper, you know, you think, what on earth is going to happen next? Well, I have a feeling that it's nothing compared to 2021 and maybe even what is coming in the months ahead because there will be in these days ahead more and more surprises. But one of the things that is going to happen is that truth is going to be restored to his people. You know, the reformation of the church has brought the church back to the truth. But not everybody's come back. And this morning God's calling you and he's calling me to come right back. This is what God is going to do. Do you know what I said before that, you know, people often think there's something just not quite right. I've got to find the answer. And really these couple of points this morning will help you on that journey. Number one, this is what we need to do to come back to the truth. Number one, there must be a passionate pursuit of truth. It says in Psalm chapter 51 verse 6, where David is talking about his God, and he said, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part of you. The hidden part of you will make me to know wisdom. You know, this is talking about what's going on the inside. There must be a pursuit of truth. See, it's not only knowing in our mind what is the truth, but this is the passionate pursuit of truth that affects our inner being. The belt of truth covers this part. You know, it is literally the realm of the, the belly, the kidneys, because that is uh, referred to by the scripture as the inner man. It's the spirit of the man. It is the, the God type of the man. But in it, on the inside of our innermost being, all of us must know the truth. This is the first thing. We need to pursue it. You know, we can hear truth, but we can hear so much, you know, other noise coming with it. You know, we can sit in front of the TV. Have you ever come in front and sat in front of the news and, you know, you're tired, you're just smashed and you just listen to that news come right at you? How much of it is the truth? You know, I'm convinced that a lot of news is what not, uh, you know, really accurate. So we need to have our discernment going. We need to have the spirit of truth on the inside. You know, the Bible says about our heart that we need to guard our heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. You know, the first key this morning is that we need to continually be in pursuit of the truth. Because it does not matter who you are, it does not matter how well educated you are, it matters that you have the truth on the inside. You know, let me read it again. You desire truth in the inward uh, parts. And in the hidden part of you will make me to know wisdom. This is the inward man. It's the heart and it must be a priority. Number two, to come back and rediscover the truth, we must learn to be guided by truth and by the word of truth. Psalm 119 verse 105 it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. This describes perfectly how we are meant to interact with the word of God. You know, I'm talking about the written word. 
I'm talking about what God has said about us and what God says about our future. Because according to this scripture, the Bible is saying, your word is a lamp to my feet. In other words, if I am allowing myself to be guided by the word, it is like a lamp in the darkness, but it is like a light to my feet. Do you know what? If you can only see down that way, you risk stumbling. But when you have a lamp, it lights up your pathway, but there is a strong light around your feet. You know, this morning we need to come back and we need to be guided by the word of truth. You know, the Bible talks about the word, having the word in us, laying up the word on the inside of us. I want you to know that this is one of the best guides for life. In fact, the Bible, the word, you know, this book here is the manual for life and we need to be guided. I, I remember when I first started out and I was learning how to be guided by the Spirit. You see, God wants to guide us in our life. He wants to guide us in our destiny. He wants to guide us to where we're meant to be. He even wants to guide us to our life's partner. You know, he wants to help us with these things, but we need to learn to be guided by him. You know, otherwise we are wandering around without our lamp. And, we, and, you know, we can bump into things along the way and it can be counterproductive. So the word of truth is the best guide for life and it needs to be internalised. It needs to be internally processed. You know, it says in Psalm 1 about meditating on the, on the, on the, uh, the word day and night. You know, it talks about we, you know, in the scriptures in, in Joshua that if we meditate on his word day and night, we'll prosper and we'll have good success. You know, things are going on when we are guided by his word. But I remember in my younger days, you know, walking around the bedroom with a Bible in my hand saying, God, speak to me out of this book. Speak to me out of this book. And I tell you what, God wants to speak to you. God wants to communicate with you. You know, you are not just anybody. You're not just an ordinary person. You're an extraordinary person. God now lives on the inside of you. And he wants to speak to you. He wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. And I'll tell you now, if we are guided by the word of truth, you know, we can live an extraordinary life even in crazy times on planet Earth. Amen? So this is a really great thing. You know, I just remember really just getting in and praying in the Holy Spirit and I'd be praying there and asking God to speak to me and, you know, he'd direct me to scriptures and I'd write them down. I'd think, man, what's that? But now I'll look back into those books, those old notebooks where I've recorded them and they're speaking of this very day that we're living in. I tell you, the Word of God is a lamp to your path. He'll guide you to where you're meant to go. He'll lead you in the way to go. And he will be a light to your feet so that you don't stumble. We need a relationship with the word of God. In John chapter 18, 31, it says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You know, what does that mean? It means to live in there. It means to be there. It means to be building your life on it. It means to be taking the scriptures and entwining your life into it. You know, this is how we live and this is how, you know, God can lead us, God can guide us. And if we have a relationship with the Word of God like that, Jesus said, you are truly his disciples. Amen? 
There's plenty of ordinary people, ordinary believers, but the next level for each one of us is to have a relationship with the Word of God that produces life on the inside. And when that happens, it is like we have an inner GPS. I know this is the way to go. God is calling me this way. And this morning, you know, you might be hearing this scripture, but God's calling you in a direction. God has a pathway that he wants you to walk. But see, you need to begin to open your life and begin to entwine your life around him and draw the word into your heart because that is going to guide you in the way that you should go. You know, come on, let's rediscover truth together. Let's come back because you see, truth is not something you just know. It is something that is progressively revealed to you by God, which brings me to the third point this morning. To rediscover truth, we must have our own personal encounter with the truth. We must have our own personal encounter with the truth. You know, this is where reading the Gospels is such a wonderful thing because there are countless accounts of how men and women and children and, uh, you know, older folk met Jesus and had an encounter with the living God. And some of the situations were literally impossible. You know, I'm thinking the, uh, this morning about one who was uh, a, a, a young man who was known as a demoniac. And he lived in the tombstones at the Gadarenes. And the scripture talks about how Jesus came by that way. Now, this whole area, it was like a highway that had been literally shut down. But Jesus came into the area of the Gadarenes. And the, uh, the scripture talks about how this tormented young man who, who was uh, uh, demon-possessed ran to Jesus and said, Lord God, what, what are you doing here? What, have, what do you have to do with us? But Jesus set that young man free. And he walked out of that, of that part of the world a free man. This is when we have an encounter with the truth. See, there is a verse in the Bible, and I believe that this is a principle for life that cannot be denied. And many people may contest you on this point. But in John chapter 8, verse, I think, 32 or 36, I get them mixed up. It says, you know, if you know the Son of God, that he will set you free. If you know the Son of God, He'll set you free. And a couple of verses down, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. How good is that? God wants us to set free, be set free. This is why I love this emblem and why I love the British flag there. Um, you know, there's room in this, uh, you know, these wonderful stables for many different flags. But this says something about our identity and it says something about our purpose. We must have our own personal encounter with the truth. This is a couple of things. Um, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. This is remarkable because, you see, he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. 
like lightning. How did he see that? It says it here. He was in the beginning with God. He was God. You see that there. So this is really something. And it goes on a little bit further in uh, uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And the Word, in other words, God, the Son, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. God became flesh. You know, let me tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is not just a great leader, although he was, in my opinion, history's best. He was not just a prophet. He was just not a godly man. But according to the scripture here, he is God himself. He is God in the flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelled amongst us, and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Jesus was a manifestation of the grace of God on the earth, of the truth of God on the earth. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, he spoke this to his disciples, he said, and this is the most incredible claim that Jesus made. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You know, this is a remarkable part of the scripture because, you know, if you want to know God this morning, you need an encounter with the truth. There was a day that I had an encounter with the truth where God became a reality to me. There was a day that Christ came into my life, uh, you know, where I invited him into, into my life. I heard a message something like this. And I began to say yes to that message. But since then, the truth has been continually and progressively revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. And this is what God wants you to do. See, this morning we need to passionately pursue the truth. We need to be guided by the word of truth. But we must have our own encounter with the person of truth, with the word of truth himself, which is none other than the Lord of Jesus Christ. And this is what it means to be born again. Friend, I wanted to say to you this morning, if you have never received Christ into your life, then today can be that day where you can invite Christ onto the inside of your life and you can know him just the way I do. You can know him just the way that these people and these believers know him. God does not want you to keep yourself at a distance anymore. He wants you to come to him. Our encounter with the truth must lead us to him. And eventually it will lead us to the reality and to the need of the cross. There is no true Christianity without a revelation of our own condition before God and our own need for the cross. This is the most liberating place to go. And I've heard some people say to me that, you know, that they think the the um, the cross is a disgrace and that they're horrified by it. Do you know what? Jesus died a horrifying death. And the scripture says that the offense, the, the, the cross is an offense to some. But do you know what? Jesus went there and he became sin on the cross so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He literally became a curse on the cross. He took the whole sin of humanity. This is where sin is not a problem to God. 
You know, sickness is not a problem to God. You know, all sorts of emotional and relational disorders are not a problem to God because Jesus, according to the Scripture, became those things and when he was nailed to the cross, our sin went there. This is a remarkable thing. See, when we have an encounter with the cross, we will with, the, with the truth, we will recognize our need for the cross. We will recognize our need for the Savior, but it is the most liberating place that you can go. Do you know what? You can be set free this morning. You can be set free when this becomes a revelation to you. What a wonderful thing. Number four this morning, the, if, uh, for us to rediscover truth, the foundations of our life must be continually built on the truth. So, you know, we started out our journey uh, many years ago together, Lynn and myself, as we began to really follow Christ together. And I thank God for my wife, for the remarkable woman that she is, uh, I made a note this week that she's had to put up with a rather impetuous leader, but she's just been a most remarkable partner in destiny with me. But together, we've continually built our lives on the foundation of truth. You know, you've got to keep coming back to the truth. When you're under pressure, do you know what you do? You've got to come back to the truth. When your faith is being challenged, you come back to the truth. When humanistic philosophies uh, are beginning to invade your life or your children's life, you've got to come back to the truth. Do you know what our nation needs to do? It needs to come back to the truth. You know, we right now have the most uh, far-left um, governments in this nation that we've ever had that are pushing God out. But if you go into the parliament house in melbourne in spring street right there in the center of the entrance hall there is a stone set that that quotes the scripture and says where there is uh, there is wisdom where there is a, a you know a multitude of counselors or or wisdom is found in the in the council of many i think it is you know this is right in the foundations of the halls of parliament but see something's going wrong and this is where the church of the living God plays such an important, uh, you know, uh, role in bringing the nation back. So the foundations of our lives must be continually built on the truth. I spoke about the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. It's a great message to come back and listen to. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit must be a partnership. We are partnering with the Holy Spirit. This is where we need to be connected with one, the right God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be connected with the right people. You need to be connected with people who love truth more than the culture, more than the, you know, than the populist ways. We need to be connected to the right God, the right leadership, the right people in the right time and in the right place. Do you know what? More than any other time in my life, I feel, man, I'm in the right place. I'm right where God wants me. I'm connected to the right leadership. You know, I have an incredible uh, leader in my life. You know, uh, Dr. Jonathan David and uh, uh, Pastor Helen, just incredible, like an anchor they've been to me. 
in times of real struggle. And I thank God for them and love them. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Don't forsake the gathering together as is the manner of some. Now, you all know some people who believe, but they're not gathering. And, you know, maybe you're listening this morning and that's you. Well, this is what the Scripture is saying to you. Don't forsake the gathering together as is the manner of some, especially when you see the day of the Lord. It's time for us to be connected in the right place with the right people. I want to say this this morning. This is a great time. The foundations must be laid correctly, though. They must be continually built on every day of your life. Every day we are building something. We're building something in the words we speak, in the prayers that we pray, and in the actions of our life. Every day we are building something. Number five, we must receive and having ongoing relationship with the spirit of truth. I love this. I love this. You know, because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. He said, no one comes to the Father but by me. We must receive and have an ongoing relationship with the Spirit of truth. Jesus promised to his disciples in John 16 verse 7, he said, I must go away so that another helper can come. I must go away so that another helper can come. And down in verse 13, that other helper is the spirit of truth who will lead us into all truth. Do you know what right now? We need to make sure that we are so locked into the truth because we are living in an age of mass deception. It is the reality. And it's coming uh, through the news feed. It's coming across the Facebook posts. You know, I spoke this week about the importance of sharing the truth on Facebook because we don't know who's the president or the president-elect. And, you know, you can go to one mainstream media and they say one thing, and you can go to another one and they say exactly the difference. We need to make sure that our life is anchored and secure and that the spirit of truth lives on the inside. Uh, uh, David's prayer, you, you desire, Lord, truth in the inward parts. And we need to have so much of the truth in there that we know what is the truth and we know what is not the truth. And here Jesus promised to the church, he said, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. You know, I'm going to send you the helper and he's going to be with you and he's going to guide you and he's going to lead you into all truth. Now, let me tell you, this is a reality. Certain parts of the church have left the truth and progressed into deception. It's time to come back. It's time to come back. It's time to have a heart that really says, I've, I've strayed, Lord, bring me back. And it needs first to start with us. But when we begin to drift and the philosophies of the day and the trends of the day begin to overrule truth, we have a problem. We must make sure that we're carriers of truth, that we have the spirit of truth, and that we demonstrate prophetic accuracy.
We need to have our guard up against what is not the truth. We need to teach our children to love with discernment. We can only build a certain future on not negotiable absolutes. And the umpire is on the inside. God is on the inside. Sometimes I've said, you know, certain things have happened. I've said, no way. No way. No way. Where does this journey start today? We are on a journey as a church in the nation to rediscover truth. You know, God is yet to do what he is uh, really able to do and wanting to do in and through the church. But it needs a church that's coming back to him and is building its future on the truth, on the not negotiables. You need the spirit of truth. Who is he? Jesus said, I must go so the Father will send another helper. Even the spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him because he'll be with you and dwell in you. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus instructed his disciple to wait in Jerusalem until they receive the promise of the Father. This is the game changer. Because when the spirit of truth had been poured out in the upper room, they became witnesses to the truth. This is what's going to change the world. So this morning, we're just praying that everyone would return, all of us, the nation, you know, that we'd come back to the foundations. Come back and find God again. If you, for the very first time this morning, have never really opened your heart to God, I want to give you an opportunity here. You know, it is amazing, but there is a promise in the Scripture that says, if we will open the door of our life, He'll come in and He'll live on the inside. God, the God who created the heavens, can deposit a dimension of Himself on the inside of you. But see, He's knocking on the door this morning, and maybe you can feel Him doing that. Maybe you know, maybe you're locked away in a church somewhere where it's like that church that has progressed from the foundations of truth and created another humanistic gospel. Well, this morning, Jesus wants you to come back. He wants you to come back because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. This is the only way. Acts 4.12, there's no other name in heaven or on earth by which all men must be saved. We need him this morning. We need him and it's as simple as this. As I pray, if you open the door of your life this morning, he will come in. This happened to me. I've experienced everything, you know, that, that uh, I guess that what I'm trying to say is this message has come out of my experience of following Christ. So as we pray this morning, if you'll pray with sincerity from the bottom of your heart, the Lord God himself, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth will come to live on the inside of you. Can we pray together? Let's just pray. Uh, if I pray and lead you in prayer, that would be just a great honor for me. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask you for your forgiveness. 
I believe in Jesus Christ that he is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you rose him from dead to life. I want to trust him as my Lord and Saviour. And I will follow him every day of my life from this day forward. Holy Spirit, come in. Live on the inside of me. Spirit of the living God, make my heart your home. Jesus, heal me. Make me whole. Renew my spirit. Guide my life and help me do your will. I pray this in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Once again, I just really want to thank you for being with us. And I'm so glad that you're tuning into these messages. These uh, messages are really designed to help people really find the next level and really grow in their Christian faith. God does not want you to be an ordinary believer. He does not want the church to be ordinary. He wants you to live an extraordinary life. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.